Hey friends, it's Mark James. What's up, what's up, what's up? It's Wednesday. Wednesday, the 24th of November. One month to Christmas. That's it. That's it. One month. In one month today, it will be Christmas Eve. How wild is that? Christmas Eve. One month today. Jesus. Imagine if I just said that for an hour. <laughs> the whole podcast was just me going, it's a month to, and then in 30 minutes from now, it's a month of Christmas Eve. And I'm just losing the will to live because I just said that over and over again. But it is, it's crazy. Um, I've just been in, YouTube is such a wormhole, isn't it? A rabbit hole. For some reason, I'm sitting on the couch. Um, I've got the YouTube app on the TV open always i generally i watch quite a bit of youtube via the television and so i've got that open and um i see a video a snooker incident and it's literally a tiny moment where ronnie o'sullivan who obviously has been world snooker champion five million times ronnie o'sullivan's playing this guy and um he plays a shot and the ref incorrectly calls a push a push is when the player, rather than striking the ball, the cue has to move the ball forward no more than a centimetre whilst the cue, the end of the cue is still in contact with the ball. So you have to hit the ball and then and bring the cue back. It has to be a, a precision strike. You can't play through the ball, which pushes the ball forward. That's not allowed. Anyway, the referee incorrectly called a push. But it happens at the eighth minute into a 10 minute video. And not only did I watch the entire 10 minute video, which is essentially just a frame of snooker from over a year ago, I ended up watching other snooker videos and then that links to darts. And then I watch, I should point out, I've spent over an hour watching snooker and darts videos. I don't like snooker or darts. <laughs> I don't dislike them, but I don't care about them enough to watch them. Like I wouldn't watch the world final snooker championship if it was on TV at 6pm at night and I had nothing else to do I wouldn't think to myself oh I'll watch the snooker final it's just not in me to do that it's not a game I've ever particularly enjoyed I don't mind a little game of it I'm not entirely sure I've ever played snooker actually of course I've played pool because everybody's played pool but I don't think I've ever played snooker um, I grew up in a pub so I'll have messed about around a snooker table and I'll have, you know, hit a few balls or whatever, but I wouldn't have known what order to set them up. Also, a snooker table is so big compared to a pool table. The difference is really quite astronomical. Of course, there's billiards and stuff like that as well, but and they all have different rules. But, um, yeah, that's, um, that's wild, isn't it? So there you go. Anyway... Oh, YouTube rabbit hole. I'm out of it now, though. I'll be honest, I was just trying to stay off my phone a bit because I had a headache. I woke up this morning and my pillows were a bit skew-whiff. My bottom pillow had slipped out a bit and my top pillow meant that I was on a funny angle. And I didn't go to sleep until three o'clock because I was playing Call of Duty. And then a couple of bad habits have slipped back in this week. Let's just get that out of the way. I don't have a weigh-in again. I didn't get weighed. I can tell that it's not good, though, because my coat was tight last night. Although I did wear my Preston football top to go and watch Preston. But we'll get back to that, because I've been to see two football matches this week. And uh, loads of other stuff's happened. But, um, 
yeah, a couple of bad habits of staying up later and stuff like that. So I've given myself, Sarah's not here today. She's gone this morning. She's gone with her friends to the Christmas markets after work. And she is um, going to be away tonight. And then she's back after work tomorrow. So aside from getting Joshua, I'm basically on my own for the whole day. So I figured, right, I'm going to give myself one more day. One more day of just the depravity of nothingness, the depravity of laziness. And then tomorrow I'm going to walk Joshua to school and I'm going to carry on because I did do a really good week. I was up against Elliot in the fitness challenge for a week and uh, I'm delighted to say that I triumphed and we set the challenge up again for this week, but neither of us have mentioned it and I haven't been checking it at all. So I don't know what, I don't know whether he's been doing it or not or I have, but I'm still wearing the Apple Watch. I just haven't really been striving to... Um, achieve anything. My heart rate right now as I sit here, it's just taking my heart rate now, the old Apple Watch. I'm sure there's a thing where you're not supposed to talk. My heart rate is 73, uh, sorry, 63, 67. That seems crazy, doesn't it? That my heart rate could be in the mid 60s, uh, considering that I'm shouting into a phone to record a podcast. You'd think it would be elevated. I do have a very, uh, a very calm heart rate. I think I've probably got a reasonably healthy heart. The rest of me is, you know, in bits, but my heart seems to be okay. <laughs> oh, anyway, so what has been going on this week? Enough rubbish. Weight loss update and goals. Let's get that out of the way first. Like I said, I've got no weight update because I didn't get weighed. I will have one next week, I promise. On Wednesday next week, I'm going to tell you what I weigh. Um, there's four weeks till Christmas. Let's make it work. Goals wise, I've really stepped it up with editing stuff and I've edited quite a lot of content this week for my show and got that on the way. So I'm quite excited about getting closer to feeling like I've got something in place for every single routine. Because at the minute, I'm essentially a couple of them are finished. But I'm doing a lot of outlining, I'm doing a lot of pencil drawing, and then I'll have to go over them all. What I realised, though, is that Instant Magic and The Vanishing Elephant, both shows, they both require a lot of tech and a lot of design work doing and videos making and stuff. That's the sound of ice there, by the way. Again, for those who are in the ASMR vibes community, ice, now a sip. <laughs> um, yeah, so a lot of design work going on. So weight loss update and goals are both going pretty well, I dare say. Um, a story I didn't tell you last week that I forgot. I remember at the end I said, oh, I forgot to tell you something and I'm going to tell you next week. It was that I was doing a gig and it was a, an end of season party at a holiday park. But they decided to make a black tie, which essentially means, you know, um, cocktail dresses and dinner suits. And everybody was like that. I say everybody, nearly everybody was like that. Um, most of the guys had, of course, the, you know, it's not gender specific. You can wear a cocktail dress or a dinner suit regardless of how you outwardly appear to present or what you were identified at as birth. 
What a fucking situation we're all in now. Even people who are determined to do the right thing are not sure whether or not they're doing the right thing. I just need us all to decide on a singular set of rules so that we can learn them and carry on. Anyway, because I'm certain that I don't offend... Well, I do offend people. Fuck me if I offended someone in this week's podcast. Wait until you, I get to that story. <laughs> but... I want to be inclusive and not offend people, but I'm afraid to say even a simple sentence like, all the men were in dinner suits and all the women were in cocktail dresses. But that is how the situation appeared to mine eyes. Anyway, except for one couple. Now, the show is going well. I was 35 minutes in. I'm up to the last routine. It's the Rubik's Cube trick. I say, there's no kids in the room either. And I say, I need to get someone up on stage and I hear a bit of a cheer from the back. And I think, you know what? We're 35 minutes in. The show's been going great. What's the worst that can happen? Let me tell you. <laughs> uh, this woman comes down. And as she comes down, I can see she's probably in her early 20s. She's wearing a almost like a cardigan dress. It looks like a long cardigan. It's not that long. It's probably... between. If we're talking about hip as being top... And knee as being bottom. She's probably 70-30 towards the hip. And that, of course, doesn't matter until we get to the, the next part. So I say, uh, thanks for joining me. And, you know, I've no idea at this point that this woman is absolutely pissed out of her brain. So I say, nice to meet you. Thanks for coming up. Really appreciate helping. Don't worry, I'm not going to make you look silly or anything like that. We're just going to do a great trick and have some fun. Please grab a seat. So she sits down, and as she does, the back of her dress kind of flips upwards so that she's now her bare ass and underwear are on my stool, and her dress is, is up her back. So she hikes those down, and I said to her, you don't have to sit down. If you, This is off mic, of course. I flicked the mic off for a brief second. I said, you can stand up if you'd be more comfortable. I don't mind. It's up to you. Now, I prefer volunteers to sit down because generally it does make them more comfortable to be sitting on a high stool where they can get some posture and maybe side saddle a little bit sometimes for women. Predominantly, it's kids that I get on stage, so it doesn't matter either way. They just sit there. But generally, when I get adults up on stage, I do prefer that they sit on a high stool because um, or a medium height stool because it means that they're not slouched. They don't feel uncomfortable. They do have to look after their own posture and sit up, but they're also not standing there, not sure what to do with their feet and swaying side to side. And it means that they can focus a lot more and I can position them exactly where I want them to be distance wise from the prop case and me. And then if I need to move away and get something from the prop case or I want to create some distance between us to allow them to flourish as the star, in certain moments when I ask the audience to give them applause, I'll come out, I'll step completely back so that it's really them who are getting the applause. And when I want them to feel um, like when I want to create a moment of sort of, um, I don't intimacy is not the word, but like a quiet, like a, a more theatrical moment where the, the sort of, intimation of a of an apparently private conversation but of course it's not a private conversation but when I want to create that faux aspect of a private conversation I can step in a little closer I can I it just allows me to always judge my distance 
because I found that when volunteers are standing up, sometimes they want to get, sometimes people really get close when they talk to you, don't they? I hate that. So sometimes people get right in your face when they're trying to talk to you and they block off from the audience. Sometimes people want to stand too far away. Sometimes they sway, they get uncomfortable, they get itchy feet, they're moving from side to side. Sometimes when you go and get something, they follow you across, especially kids. If you go to get a prop, they come with you, they follow you, you know, it's like, by sitting the person down, it takes all of those problems out. And that I find to be much better. However, I did give this woman the option, but she was like, now nah, mate, you're all right, I'll just sit down. <laughs> because at this point I've started to realize she's quite pissed. And in the English vernacular, that means drunk. So we start the trick and then another button bursts on the front of her top. So now her bra's out as well and she thinks that's the funniest thing ever. Then her boyfriend comes down, I assume her boyfriend, and he's trying to get her attention off the front edge of the stage in the middle of the trick. So I'm going, mate, can you do me a favour and just shut up a bit? Because uh, we're in the middle of something here. If you want to take photographs or film or whatever, knock yourself out. But could you please not talk to her while we're trying to do this? And he's just being really obnoxious. And he's wearing grey joggers, a black jumper with Hugo Boss written on the middle and one of those little bags that you know certain types of people tend to wear up around the chest do you remember the bum bag the bag that in the 80s people used to wear around their waist you could put stuff in it it had a little sort of um a little clip like a belt I don't even know what kind of clip you'd call it but you or everyone knows the kind of clip you know the little black plastic clip where you push a finger and a thumb on either side of it and it pops open whatever that is um it's got them on the bum bag was it called a bum bag I think it's called a bum bag anyway so now it seems to be that you know what in the UK are typically referred to as chavs they seem to wear them around their chests now they've all got these little tiny bags that they wear somewhere between their armpit and their chest on the front slung over one shoulder it's quite strange i don't know what they're keeping in them and i don't know if they're maybe their pants don't have pockets on or maybe they all wear their joggers so low around their asses that if you put something in your pocket your ass is going to come out all i know is they've all got these shitty little bags anyway this lad's got one of these bags and everybody else in the room, bear in mind, is wearing dinner suits, tuxedos, dicky bows, cocktail dresses. These two, I've got a lad in a full tracksuit on the dance floor and his girlfriend sitting on the stool next to me wearing a cardigan dress that's popped open all over the place. So I try to get through the trick as best as I can. <laughs> The cube that she's mixed matches the one that's in the jar and I show her and she's nonplussed. She goes, these two are the same. And I went, yeah, the cube matches the one in the jar. And she went, right. And I went, it's the one that you mixed. And she goes, is it? <laughs> I mean, if you've seen the trick, the fact that it's the one she's mixed is the clearest part of the routine. It has to be, because without that, the trick wouldn't work. But it's so clear. So then I take that singular cube that's just matched the one in the jar, and I show her the bag is empty, and I put it inside, and she holds the bag for a sec. Then she looks inside, and it's solved. 
And she looks in the bag and she goes, this one's solved. So matter of fact, normally the person who looks in the bag is blown away. No reaction. And I go, that's the same one that you mixed that matched the one in the jar. That's it in the bag now and it's solved. She went, is it? <laughs> I said, yes, you did it. She said, I'm a genius. I said, well, I won't go that far. There's little to no evidence for that. Some of the audience left. I thought, you know, I don't normally take the piss out of the volunteers I've got on stage, but this woman is that drunk and being, uh, you know, ridiculous. And her boyfriend's been a total knob as well. I couldn't be bothered with them anymore. So I get the stuff back. I send her down off the stage. I say, please put your hands together for my mo most recent challenge, insert name here. Off she goes and off she went. So if you're wondering what's the worst that can happen, the answer is... Um, it completely derails the last 10 minutes and for my money muted the end response to the show a little bit because some of the audience were really interested but for the wrong reason and the people who were interested before for the right reasons lost interest and it just goes to show a bad volunteer really can ruin the gig i'd already picked the person i was going to choose halfway through the show because they were joining in and being really responsive and laughing and we'd had a little conversation as part of another trick. They were very articulate, very switched on, had a big smile. Huge, huge point when you're choosing a volunteer to come on stage. Don't pick, if you, especially if you're getting kids on stage, don't pick the kid who has got the hand up the highest. Don't pick the kid who's going maddest to get on stage. Pick the kid with the biggest smile or the most expressive face. Because that kid smiling is everything. That's the routine. That's where you win and that's where the audience love you. If that kid is smiling all the way through, you're having a great time. If you pick a kid who looks like they can't wait to get up, but then as soon as you get them up on stage, they've got a face like a smacked ass. it's not a good time. <laughs> Everybody thinks that the kid is having a bad time and they don't enjoy it. So anyway, I should have just stuck to my guns and picked the person I was going to pick, but I got a bit carried away thinking it was all going well. Now, Sarah and I's bed, Sarah and I's bed came, our new bed, uh, the double, and my trapped nerve, you may remember from last week, was calming down and things were getting better. Then I carried the mattress upstairs and the trapped nerve came back. Ugh. I've also got a little bit of what you would call a bubbling underneath my skin, it feels. When I say bubbling, I mean it's like when I breathe, I can feel it sometimes, when the trapped nerve is hurting. And so... I may, off the back of this trapped nerve, got a bit of pleurisy, which is a 19th century uh, illness, if ever I've heard of one. But it's a thing where um, it's basically something that comes after a rib injury or, you know, you get it after a trapped nerve sometimes. It's quite common. Apparently, it can take up to a couple of weeks to go away. But it feels like, you know, when someone gets shot in the lung, and they're breathing and you can hear their breathing's a little bit hollow. It makes a strange like <gasps> sound. That's what it feels like, but it's in your rib. It's horrible. But I believe it might be pleurisy. So I need to just hurry up and start getting healthy again and get over this horror show um, because it's been hurting. But the new bed is good. Aside from the fact that we now clearly need new pillows, the bed itself is very good. And Joshua's bed is very good. And so Sarah and I have started decorating our room or redecorating our room with some new stuff. I've always wanted one of those lamps that looks like a monkey holding a bulb and I finally got it. So that's good. Um, 
we ordered Domino's. Oh, some my records came into Action Records. I bought the new Taylor Swift album, which is actually just a reissue of the Red album, but it's been it's got some extra tracks on and all the songs have been remixed. They sound a bit poppier than they did the first time, but I like it. So I got that on vinyl and I got the Ryan Adams album, Big Colours, which, to be honest, I don't like that much, but I've got all of his other records, so you feel like you've got to have the collection. Can't have, you know, 18 of them and not get the 19th, can you? That would be ridiculous. So that was good. Sarah and I and Joshua got pizza at the weekend from Domino's. Domino's is a real treat, isn't it? If you go, because there's local pizza shops, which is the most common thing that I think most of us order from, because it's quick, it's always very cheap. You know, a normal pizza shop is going to be eight or nine pound for a 12 to 14 inch pizza. If you go to Domino's, a 12 inch pizza is usually 21 quid, which is ridiculous. That's a lot of money for a pizza. But they often do deals where it's like buy one, get one for a fiver or whatever. But it still does put the average price of the pizza up by quite some distance. So Domino's is an expensive gig if you're going to get it. I'm currently wiping the forehead stick on. These forehead sticks that put like menthol on your skin, they always really help relieve my headache. I don't think I could have recorded this without it. It's almost entirely removed any feeling of headache I've got, which is great. So uh, we had pizza. I got chicken, pineapple, mushroom, meatballs, and onion but the onion is like caramelized onion jesus christ it might be the best domino's pizza i've ever had chicken pineapple sweet corn no chicken pineapple mushroom and um meatballs with the onions oh so so good i highly recommend that you try that pizza um Sarah and I have also booked Joshua's birthday treat. Now, because Joshua's birthday tends to come right next to Christmas, I say it tends to come, it always comes at exactly the same time because he was born on a day and that day has never changed. Joshua's birthday is the 15th of December. You all know the Christmas day is the 25th of December. So, you know, it's 10 days prior and that... It does change things a bit, you know, because you want to get two totally separate gifts and all that sort of stuff. But then it's always like, well, what do you even want? Joshua actually finds it very difficult to either choose or articulate what he actually wants for Christmas or birthdays or anything. So we just generally choose to for him. We've come down, unless he says something really obvious, like an iPad or an Xbox, whatever. We've come down to a decision over the last years where we have a day for his birthday very small gifts you know this year we've got him one of those lunar and well my mum got it for him actually because she said what can I get him and I'd already bought this and she said well how much was it I'll give you the money and it can be from me so that's what I did it's one of those lunar projectors you know that you put on top of a cupboard or something and it projects the night sky onto the ceiling I've tried it in his room it looks amazing he hasn't seen it obviously I uh, tried it when he wasn't here and then put it away again but it looks great so he's going to love that and a couple of other bits. But generally, birthday, we have a day. We have an experience day. So the year before last, we went to um, the Sea Life Centre and we went to uh, bowling and laser quest and mini golf and, you know, two different meals out, both that he chose and 
Just all different stuff that we knew he'd want to do. This year, we've booked tickets for Legoland in Windsor. Proper, big, massive theme park Legoland. The one that's got rides and all that sort of stuff in it. And it's down near London. And he's going to absolutely love it. Really, he's going to love it so much. Sarah chose that. Great, great idea. Um... And she sent me the link and said, what about this? And I said, you're on. So I've booked the tickets. I've booked the hotel. Everything is sorted. It's going to be fantastic. I don't know how much of a thing it would be. Like, I don't, it's not something I would ever go to, I think. I don't dig theme parks that much, except for Disneyland. And I just love Disneyland because every second that you're in there, you feel like you're at a great place. I feel like when you go to Walton Towers um, or any British theme park, really, Flamingoland or Thor Park or anywhere, the only bits where you're really having the great time is when you're on the ride. When you're queuing, it's boring. When you're walking around, it's drab and dull. You know, when you're having the food, the food's grim and overexpensive. None of it feels great. Whereas when you go to Disneyland, you're having a brilliant time every second that you're just in there. As soon as you're on the other side of the gates, even... You're not in the queue for a ride. You're not on a ride. Right? You're just still. It's brilliant. Because you feel like you've gone into a different land. And everybody kind of buys into Disneyland, don't they? Everybody buys into the vibe. You see, you know, what you'd normally expect to be extremely macho guys walking around with Mickey Mouse hats on. And people are in, people get dressed up and stuff. It's great. I love it. I love the fact that it just feels like a place where trouble is never going to happen. I'm sure that's not true. I'm sure there's a website that's like the top 20 times that someone was stabbed to death inside of a, you know, major theme park. Awful events for, and it'll be some horrible, you know, thing. But every time I've ever been in there, people are just in a good mood. That's really nice. So I like that. And I don't know what Legoland's going to be like. I think it'll probably, because it's so specific, I think it'll probably be better than all of the other British theme parky type places. Because who would go to Legoland apart from people who love Lego? Or whose kids love Lego? It seems like it's going to be pretty good, I think. So I booked it anyway. Then the weekend, I went to watch Aston Villa. Now... This was interesting because we've got a new manager. I told you this last week. The new manager is, of course, Stephen Gerrard. I'm going to move the phone so that I can tilt my neck on a different angle. Oh, so the new manager is now Stephen Gerrard, former Liverpool player and captain. And, um, you know, possibly the best central midfielder that the Premier League ever had. Who knows? Captain of England. Now he's manager at Aston Villa. Villa have lost five games in a row. Things were looking pretty dire. A couple of those wins, I mean, one of them we were 2-0 up and ended up losing 3-2 in the last 10 minutes. It's abysmal. That doesn't normally happen in the Premier League. So I think it would be fair to say that most Villa fans were nervous, even though we're only playing Brighton and Brighton are not exactly 
a brilliant team. They've been doing all right. And they certainly hold a lot of possession is their way. Not necessarily creating scores of chances, although they do have some great players. Lamptey especially is fantastic and no doubt will get a move to a much bigger club. But um, they do hold a lot of possession. And so we were nervous, but Steven Gerrard somehow delivered us a 2-0 victory and I thought we looked pretty good. I thought Villa looked like they were really on top of the game. Then that night, another takeaway came. So many takeaways. This time we had Chinese. I've learned something, and it's something I'm going to stick to religiously. Overeating ruins the meal. This is what I've learned. I've always been someone who... I remember Louis C.K. did a joke once where he said, the meal isn't over when I'm full. It's over when I hate myself. (laughs) And I thought, yeah, I absolutely can agree with that. I, that's how I roll. The meal isn't over when I'm full. I just moved the phone again. It's over when I hate myself when I eat until I want to die. I can't bear to leave food on the plate. I want it all to go in. Even if I've stopped enjoying it, my ability to make decisions around whether or not I should continue to eat gets compromised by the fact that there's food in front of me and that it's Chinese food or whatever. You know, any luxurious MSG-fueled, sweet and sour-tasting lumps of chicken, they're going to get to me. So, I ate Chinese. I was loving it. Then for the last five minutes... I wasn't loving it. And then for the half an hour afterwards, I was hating it. And I thought, you need to learn a lesson here and not overeat. As soon as you start getting full, it's probably time to stop that because it doesn't do you any good. So give it up. And um, I'd like to say that it's a bit of a lesson learned, but who knows if it will be or not. Mm. Still... The takeaways have got to calm down. I think we need to call a no more takeaways rule for the rest of the year. Imagine that, no takeaways in December. That would change things straight off the bat. No takeaways in December. Oof. I wonder what Sarah will say when she listens to this. Babe, if you're listening to this, text me if you think that's a good idea. No takeaways in December. Um, Yeah, it's just no good, is it? It's horrible. Once you've overeaten, you do ruin the food. Um, one of the things I designed this week for my show, hang on, I've got an email, my watch is buzzing. Oh, it's from SLR Hut telling me that I'm, um, it's quite funny actually, SLR Hut. When you open the email, it looks like it's a slut. Um, one of the things I've designed was a a rainy background. So it's when I do the billiard ball trick, the sound of rain plays and some light piano. So what I've done for the screen is like rain outside of a darkened window and the slight flashes of lightning and stuff. Looks brilliant. It took forever. Really took forever with colour correcting and finding a window frame to go over the rain effect and all these different things. But God damn, I'm happy with it. I'm excited to use that. The reason I'm getting an email, by the way, from SLR Hut is because they sell cameras and I've just bought the new Insta360 Uh, X2 camera, which has some unbelievable features. One of them 
there used to be a thing that people did on Photoshop where they would put their phone, they're not their phone, they'd put their camera, I suppose your phone would work, any camera would. But if you take a picture of a place, say you take a photograph of Trafalgar Square, right? Everyone knows. Or Times Square, New York. Take a photograph of Trafalgar Square or Times Square. And then a few seconds later, you take another one and then another one and then another one. And you do that every five seconds for an hour. And at the end of that hour, you take all of those pictures, hundreds of pictures, and you put them into Photoshop and then you collate them. Photoshop has this this thing you can do where it basically collates all of those pictures into one picture and then it removes the differences. So it uses the um, it uses the similarities in photographs as a base point and removes all the stuff that's different. So essentially, if you do this process, you could take a photograph of Trafalgar Square or Times Square in the middle of the day, but on the photograph, it would make it look empty because the photograph uses composite uh, pieces of each picture to make a version of the picture where nobody is standing there by removing the stuff that's different across all of them. And so it's quite amazing, but it's laborious. The uh, Insta360 has a feature called Ghost Mode where you turn that on and it basically records video for like a minute. And at the end of that minute, it gives you that photograph. Incredible. It does loads of really unbelievable stuff. The main thing that it does is that because it shoots in 360, you can set the camera up and record towards yourself and what you see at the same time. So my intention is to put this down on the front edge of the stage in a tiny little um, holder, record me from an up angle off the floor, because it won't matter, and record the audience from a frontways angle. But of course, if I want to pan left or right because I've spoken to someone there, the angle is there already because it's a 360 camera. And I'm going to put out videos next year of not the show. So it'll be stuff that happens in shows that isn't the material in that show. Whenever I go on an ad lib or, you know, I say something funny or I get a heckler that I put down or, you know, any situation like that, I'm going to collate all of those into singular videos and put them out on Facebook and TikTok and Instagram or whatever. So I bought that camera. I'm going to use it for loads of other content as well. You know, those tiny planet photos, I love those, where it looks like there's a circular version of the world and a person is standing on it. Um, they are a bit of a ball ache as well. You edit those in Photoshop, but... This camera, again, has a setting where it can take them automatically. So I'm going to take those as well because I love those. Um, it's getting cold in my house. So I'm really sorry if you have a home um, automation system. It's about to get set off by my voice. If you've got one and you listen to this out loud. Alexa, set the heating to 28. I don't know if you heard it, but it worked. Um, it's getting a bit chilly, that's all. It's obviously 28 degrees, not 28 out of 100 or whatever. But, um, yeah, it's just a bit cold. So, what else is on this? Oop. What else is on this list? Um, design in the rain window, Snoopy cartoon. I designed a cool uh, Snoopy cartoon thing for one of the routines. That was good. Uh, I got a new bracket. Oh, this bracket's good. If you do virtual shows or anything... Um, 
one of the things I did when I was putting the office together is out at the studio, I wanted to get the most amount of space between the camera and me so that I could pick the widest angle and then zoom in a bit rather than be too close to myself and never be able to get a wide enough angle to have like a full setup. So I wanted to get the camera as close to the wall as possible and then put the desk in front of it. But I didn't want to have the desk taking up loads of space either and be too far out. So using a traditional camera tripod was never really an option. The problem being that, of course, to be stable, a camera tripod has to be open and they open very wide. So either it's open so wide that you can't push a desk between because you imagine there's the wall, then the tripod, then the desk and you're and the desk is facing the wall so that when you're looking at the wall, the camera is there and it's facing out against you in the room. Um, if the tripod is open, it takes up a lot of space. So what I got was I got a um, I got a little uh, adapter that allows you to fix a camera uh, holder, tripod holder thing, you know, just the bit, just the little bit that screws in the bottom of the camera. It allows you to put one of those on top of a mic stand. So you take the mic head off that usually holds the mic and in its place, a three quarter inch screw, I think, uh, in its place, you screw this on and then you can put the camera on top of that. It's great. But it still meant that in between the wall and the um, camera, the wall and the desk had to be a mic stand and the mic stand had a certain size base. It worked great because it was a much thinner uh, footprint than a camera stand, but it still wasn't what I wanted. Anyway, I recently found a thing and it basically is a straight pole, a straight up pole, which is adjustable like a mic stand would be. Um, and on top, it's got the thing that holds the camera, but at the bottom, it's essentially like a vice, like a vice clamp. And so you clamp this onto the back edge of your desk and then coming up straight from the back edge of your desk is a pole which is height adjustable and has a camera fixing on top. And it's a ball joint so you can tilt it side to side and all that to get it exactly right. Anyway, I bought one of those. It was like 20 quid. It has dramatically improved the setup because now I've been able to push the desk even further back against the wall. But now, but the camera's in the same position, which is perfect. I've just gained another little bit of space and I like that it looks neater. So that's been such a great purchase. A phone, uh, sorry, a camera desk clamp. You'd probably call that. I'm not really sure. Um, Sarah told me the other night, by the way, I know I've mentioned football. Mm. Oh no, I've dropped... Um, I've dropped the what's it called, the coaster. Um, Sarah told me that I was shouting in my sleep about football, saying, get down the centre, pass it, pass it, thread it, pass it, pass it down the wing, get down the centre. I'm shouting my head off about football. And I said, did I say any names? And she said, hmm, you might. And she, she had a bit of an idea. And she thought she'd heard me say a certain name. And I said, could it have been John McGinn? <laughs> and she said, yeah, yeah, it was, it was John McGinn. That's exactly who it was. It was John McGinn. Oh God, I just readjusted myself then and I put my elbow onto the corner of the chair to lift myself up. And as I did, my um, trap nerve was excruciatingly painful. But anyway, super John McGinn, Aston Villa midfielder, number seven. Apparently I was shouting my head off about him in my sleep 
<laughs> Old Meatball Head, Super John. So that's interesting. At least I'm not the sort to go and have an affair because if I did, I'd give it all away while I was asleep. I could never, what's it called? I could never relax because I talk a lot in my sleep. Sarah's told me loads of times when I've shouted stuff out in my sleep. And I think, imagine, what a way to be shouting someone's name. But, you know, when she said to me, you were shouting someone's name in your sleep last night. I was I I wasn't worried at all. <laughs> I just thought, I wonder who. And it turned out it was Super John McGinn. <laughs> Which I love. Imagine that. Just shouting someone's name. Put it in. Put it in. Come on. Put it through. Put it in. Go for it. Speed up. Put it in. What the fuck is he dreaming about? Super, super John, super, super, super John McGinn, meatball head, there you go. So, you know, while other men are having dreams about, um, I need, I don't know who I was thinking of then, I was going to say Pamela Anderson, it's such a, such an old school reference, because Pamela Anderson was like, you know, the heartthrob when I was a teenager, I mean, who else could I put in that bracket, Carmen Electra? Um, the girl from Boy Meets World was always very popular among uh, boys my age. Um, Sabrina from Sabrina the Teenage Witch was quite a popular one. <clears throat> when you're having, you know, your teenage dreams cycle. So while other men are out dreaming about that sort of thing or, you know, whoever they fancy now, there's me in bed shouting my head off about Aston Villa's central midfielder. <laughs> I love that. I really love that. Funny. There you go. Um, now, last night was a strange time. And this is going to bring us to the end of the podcast. Nicely on time. I don't know how it always works out, but it does. Joshua and I went to see Preston play away at Middlesbrough. Uh, Preston won 2-0, which was a robbery. It really was a robbery. Middlesbrough battered them for 80 minutes. And then at the end, Preston got two goals. It was quite remarkable. But... Um, we went up there, the two of us, and we watched the game, and we had some all right food. Joshua had a vegetarian pie, but it was like steak and onion and all that sort of stuff, but it was veg- It was actually a vegan pie, um, but it had fake steak and everything in, and he said it was really nice. It was a Pucker uh, brand pie. I had a burger. Now, the burger that I had before the game was really nice. I mean, it was a bit like a school dinner's burger, but it had melted cheese on it. It was in a nice bun. It was all great. Then we got to half time and Joshua said, could I have another one of those pies? And I thought, hmm, not really sure about this, but yeah, all right. So we go into, oh no, I said, why don't you have some chips? I thought, he can't be eating two pies. This is not good. But a pie and chips would have been okay. So he had the pie first and then he had the chips later on. And it was only like a McDonald's fries size pack of chips. I could see other people ordering them. So I got him chips. But I thought, you know what? I'm going to have another one of those burgers. He won't mind. It's quite good since he's vegetarian. I can eat meat in front of him without feeling like it's harsh that I didn't get him something because he doesn't eat meat. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so we had chips and I said to him, I think I might have another burger. And he said, you should have another burger. You enjoyed the first one. I said, I did. Do you definitely want chips? He said, I really do want chips. Everyone was happy. Anyway, what I didn't realize was the first burger that I had was 
a burger they'd got ready for the start of the match. The second burger that I had at half time was a burger that they got ready for the start of the match. <laughs> Those burgers had clearly been sitting on the hot plate or whatever for the entire first half, you know, 45, 50 minutes. So the bottom of the bun was rock solid hard. I mean, you can't microwave a burger bun or anything. It was literally rock hard. The cheese was so melted that it was almost invisible. You know when cheese takes on that like thin, slightly yellowish, just nothingness? Like you'd spread a bit of butter on the burger. So I guess that had melted up into the bun. And the burger itself was, you know, the, the meat was okay, but the rest of it was bad. So suffice to say, I didn't eat it all because I thought, I'm not putting myself through this. It's pointless. I'm only going to have these calories if it's going to be nice. So I didn't bother. But the football result aside, Joshua and I drove home. He fell asleep most of the way. Everything was good. Something really strange happened before the match. And this is the closing story of this week's podcast. I was going to get fuel at the garage, because that's where you do that, obviously. So I went to the garage. I put fuel in. Now, while I'm standing there pumping the diesel into my car... I see a guy who looks a little bit elderly walking across the car park, the forecourt, and he gets to the door and then he stops, stops dead in his tracks. And another bloke who's walking behind him has to stop dead in his tracks as well, so there's not to walk into the back of this guy. Then I see the two of them chatting and they're kind of chatting right in front of the door, but the door's one of those automatic doors. So it slides to the side and the two of them stand there and the guy, the, the younger guy who's come up second, he's clearly offering some assistance. I can't quite work out what's happening. And then another woman comes up behind them, and then another woman, and then a guy in a baseball cap, then another woman. And there's like a um, quite a, a, a row of people now building. But these two are just standing there. The younger guy is opening the door again by waving in front of it, and they're both just standing there. At this point, I've finished pumping the diesel. I never take it up to an exact amount, by the way. I just pump it until it stops itself. And when it stops itself, I give it a sec. I pump it one more time. And then when it stops itself, I hang the thing back up. I don't aim for 50 quid, 70 quid, 80 on the nose, any of that bullshit. Because as soon as I get in there, I'm only going to buy a, a drink and stuff anyway. And it's going to make it 83, 47. So what difference does it make? I fill the car until it's full every time. Because I have to. Because I drive so many miles a week. So... I'm out of the habit of that. So I'm not paying any attention to the fuel. I'm just pumping it until it stops itself. Anyway, I'm thinking I haven't got time to stand in this possibly never ending, never moving queue, especially when there's at least four feet to the right of these two people. They're not even that close to the door. If I was coming in from a different angle, I probably wouldn't even notice them. So I walk up to this crowd and I'm like, I think we can go in, guys. Because it's as if they're all queuing for some coronavirus restriction. But there's two cashiers both standing there looking out the door, wondering why the fuck nobody's coming in the shop. And they're both like ready to serve. And I'm thinking, not only am I going in there to pay for the fuel, which everybody's waiting to do. I want other stuff from in the shop. So in the time this lot have all been served, I'll have got all the things I need. I need to have a look around this shop. It's not like I'm going straight up to the checkout. I need to get some shit. I need a drink for me, a drink for Joshua, you know, some other stuff, whatever. So I got, I think we can go in and I go in. Anyway, as soon as I do that, a woman 
again had an angry look on her face. She come, she then comes round these two as well, and she comes in, takes my lead. Then another one, and then the first one comes up towards me, and she said, "I hope you're still going to wait for your turn in the queue," as if to say, the, you know, morality queue that had formed outside the queue that um. What's it called? The queue that is assumed. You know, like the bar queue. You know, and everyone's at the bar. And everybody just knows who's next. You don't have to stand in a queue. Everybody knows who's next. Because, or the hairdressers is another example. You know who was there when you got there. And you know who's come since you've been there. But the only people you need to worry about are the people who are already there when you got there. Because if the barman goes to someone who came in after you, or comes to you, and you know someone was there before you, hasn't been served yet, you say... It's that fella in the yellow shirt, mate. And then the fella in the yellow shirt goes, cheers, pal, and then he orders. That's kind of the law of the jungle in those situations. I mean, I think I've used law of the jungle in the wrong way around there. Law of the jungle usually means when you're going against rules and it's everyone for themselves. But anyway, survival of the fittest and all that. Um, so she comes in and she says that. And I said, well, I needed other stuff. And everyone was just standing outside. And she went, well, I think it was very rude what you just did. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it was very rude what you just did. This is what she says to me. And she's making a bit of a scene. She's speaking up now. And by now, everyone's in the shop. Now, she doesn't know that I love arguing with strangers. <laughs> As you all know from the thing back in that town when I had the terrible meal. And I said to that chef about sticking your finger up people's asses, I love arguing with strangers. Because it's so easy, because strangers are hampered by ordinary social convention in the main. Most people have got something inside of their brain that tells them what they can and what they can't say. And they're also not usually incredibly quick-witted and they're very rarely very funny. Whereas I guess when your job is to stand on stage and deal with all manner of bizarre, you know, sudden things and think on the spot to say something funny i'm a bit more geared towards that so most people are not capable of saying exactly what they want to say whereas i don't have that problem <laughs> which i'm sure you worked out by now so she says this and i go well i needed some other stuff and everyone was standing outside so i came in she goes well i think it was very rude what you just did then and so i said well you're gonna love this I don't give a fuck what you think. <laughs> so I'm very pleased at this point. Very, very, very pleased. So she walks off a little bit, right? And I end up in the queue behind her. And um, I go, oh, look at that. We're all in the queue and I'm behind you just like I would have been. And she said, I think we should just drop it. And I say, well, I wouldn't have brought it up in the first place. I mean... It's ridiculous. It's really ridiculous. So she gets served. This is this story's not over, by the way. She gets served and leaves. Loads of other people get served and leave. I get served. And I'm about to leave. But the fella who was stood still, the older gentleman, he is stood still again. But now he's in between the two checkouts and he's just frozen to the spot, facing towards the door as I finish getting served and turn round. Now, as you know, I'm not a dickhead. I actually feel like I'm a very nice person and I will go out of my way to do 
anything for anyone 10 times out of 10 if they ask me. There's no favour that you could ask me that I won't try, you know, if it's reasonable, that I won't try and do. Um, I put in it's reasonable there because I know a few of my pals listen to this podcast and I know a few of them are thinking of a favour already just to test me out. But, um, you know, I generally think that I try to be nice to people and do what I can. I just really enjoy arguing with strangers. It's my favourite thing in the world. It's delicious. It's a beautiful moment. And... I don't care about saying things to people that will offend them because I think that, you know, you've no right not to be offended. Fuck you. If I offend you, you know, it's just one of those things, isn't it? But I'm never rude to anybody who doesn't start it with me. That's what it is. I would never have said anything to that woman had she not got in my face and said, I think what you said was very, what you just did was very rude. How was it rude? I walked into a shop through a gap to get into the shop. Honestly, I didn't barge past anyone. I could have parked, pulled my car in there. The space was so big. I just walked in. I did nothing. But this woman was really, I think, annoyed that she didn't just do that. You know, like, oh, I'm not... Because people can't stand it if someone pushes in. I think she felt aggrieved that I just walked in. And she was thinking, oh, fuck, I should have just done that. We've all been there, haven't we? So, anyway, I turned around and this guy's standing there stock still. And now I'm about to show a totally different character. And I say... Excuse me, sir, do you need some assistance? Uh, because I'm respecting my elders and I refer to them as sir. I quite often call people sir. I think it's quirky and it makes people feel good. I like it. Um, there's another thing I like to do that I reminded Sarah of last night. Whenever I hug people, I always think it's funny if as you hug them, you say, you smell different when you're awake. <laughs> The reactions you get when you say that are so wide-ranging and amazing. It's honestly worth doing. Next time you hug someone, just say to them, quiet enough that nobody else can hear, but loud enough that they can hear. You smell different when you're awake. It's brilliant. Anyway, so I asked this guy if he needs some help, and he says, yes, actually. And this is where it gets bizarre. He tells, he points, he's got a walking stick. And he tells me to put my foot in a certain place. So I do. Then he says, no, try here. So I do. And then he tells me to put my other foot in a place. It's like playing a really weird game of Twister. Because I'm just stepping around in front of this guy based on where he's telling me to put my feet. And I've no idea why. And I'm going, because he's not speaking very loud. And I'm going, would you like me to help you out? So I go to take his arm, you know, if he needs a bit of steadying or something. Uh, and, he, and he doesn't want that. He pulls his arm back. So I'm thinking, how am I going to help this guy? I don't understand what he wants. So then he tells me to turn around. So now I've got my back to him. And he says, put your foot here. And he nudges my foot with a walking stick and puts it in a place. And then... He tells me to turn sideways onto him. So now I'm at his other side and I put my foot in a place. And then suddenly he goes, that's it. And he walks off at a pace. And I'm thinking, my initial thought is, does he know that I'm the guy who's had an altercation with someone about getting in the shop when he was stood still? Um, does he know that it's me? And now he's just wanted to waste my time as like a payback. But then again, if he was capable of doing that, just walking at a pace, then he wouldn't have been standing in the doorway of the shop. So that would again alter the situation of who was being a knob because nobody was being a knob. But had he just wasted my time, I would find that difficult to understand why. And so I walk out as well because we're both heading out the same way. And 
as we walk, I am still slightly quicker than him, but only just. Fuck me, he's a fast walker now that he's walking. I get along... Some of you may already know where this is going, if you've ever dealt with this before. As I get sort of alongside him, I say, good luck to you, mate. You have a good night. You know, as if to say, I'm ready. I want to bring our conversation to a close and maybe understand what was happening. And he says to me, yeah, cheers, Parkinson's jolts the brain. And I'm thinking, what could that mean? Parkinson's jolts the brain. So I get in the car and I call my auntie, who was a district nurse, which is like a, in nursing, you're a nurse, but a district nurse is like oversees other practitioners and has a very broad range of medical knowledge. So I call her and I ask her, I explain the whole situation to her and I ask her what she thinks could have happened. And she tells me that, this is my my potted version of it. She tells me that people who have Parkinson's disease sometimes forget their brains lose grip of basic functionality. And so she said, that man, when you start to walk, you take for granted the fact that your first step involves a shifting of balance. So when you lift that foot up, because it's up in the air and you lean into it, your weight falls forward, but your foot steps onto the ground and stops you. And then you allow your weight to carry forward again. And your next foot goes and you're always slightly above your feet on your weight is pushing forwards. And so if you allow that to happen, but you don't know what your foot's meant to do next, then you fall over. And she said, that's what happens sometimes to people with Parkinson's. Once that guy was walking, he'll have had all of his usual physicality. He wasn't frail or unable to walk. He just couldn't remember how. And she said it, they mainly have the problem with setting off. And so she said, seeing you move your feet in various ways will have just triggered his brain into remembering how to get started again. And I said, but he went off with a pace. She said, oh, they do. They walk at a real quick pace, usually with the head down. And it's a, it's a very specific thing. But she said, yeah, he just will have forgotten how to set off. And you moving your feet around in front of him will have brought something to life in his brain that allowed him to remember how to walk again. And I just thought that was incredibly interesting. It's just fascinating. So by basically walking around in front of this guy, I, I helped him be able to just do his thing, you know, be able to walk again. But off the back of the situation where I ended up in a row with some stranger, <laughs> it was a really weird way for that whole visit to end to the garage. But that, friends, is the last story of this podcast. Um, there you go. 58 minutes. Look at that. Nearly an hour. Wild. I thought it was going to be 45 minutes. Turned out that story was longer than I thought. Anyway, that's this week's pod. I will see you all next week. I hope it made you laugh. Um, again, if anything jumps out at you, want to message me about it. I love it when you do. There's a couple of people who nearly always do, and I love to hear from you guys. So if you haven't messaged me in a while, but you listen to this podcast, just take a minute. I really would appreciate it. Drop me a little message and say that you listened this week and a certain thing you thought was funny, or if you thought I was a complete tosser to a stranger, tell me that as well. I won't mind. Or if you think that that's fair play and we should all have a bit more about us to do that, then tell me that as well. Whatever. Just send me a message. I'd love to hear from you. <laughs> all right. Bye, friends.